0: Lord, that's why we're here today. We are here for the purpose of glorifying Your name. So, Lord, we just take some uh, moments here. We uh, we ponder and we think on and we acknowledge. You are Lord. Only you. None other. Never has there been just you. Just you. In the glorious name of Christ all God's people said. Amen. Amen. What a delight to be able to be ministered to and to minister with each other in song. And everything that's been taking place this morning has been about our thinking. Everything we've been doing so far as you sing has been driven out of your mind. What are you thinking about? What we're singing about are thoughts of truth. And we're so grateful to be able to be led by people that are helping us with that process and In fact, look forward to next Sunday when we have communion together, and the Sunday after that when uh, Pastor Eric's going to be preaching and just spending the time with us in the Word on that Sunday. But we're here right now, and we are in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Grab your Bible and turn there. If you don't have a Bible with you, you've got some people who are going to be walking around and just flag them down, and you can borrow one here this morning. Um, But we're going to be in the text of Ephesians chapter 4. When it comes right down to it, life is about what you and I think. Here's a statement I've learned uh, over the years. It's very simple. It's this. I do what I do because I think what I think. I do what I do because I think what I think. Why do I do what I do? Yeah. Because we think what we think. So... If life is all about thinking, question this morning as we get started, how is your thinking going? Follower of Jesus Christ, how is your thinking? Because you look at your life and sometimes you just go, why is life happening this way? Why am I responding to life this way? And the answer to that is because of how we think. Well, We're going to get into a text that heavily gets on thinking, and that's actually an interesting statement for me to say, because earlier in the week, I told Karen, I said we're doing Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through the end of the chapter, and I said, man, this is going to be great. I've taught on this passage just so many times over the years, specifically this passage, and it's going to allow me to have some added freed up time because of that. Guess what? That was bad thinking. And uh, very seriously, Uh, this has been, as a pastor, first time here at Harvest, where I've had to wrestle with a text in a way I never imagined I'd have to wrestle with it. I know this text, and yet I've had to wrestle with this thing all week and just straight up with you. I've come to a place where I say, you know how I've been teaching it in the past? I don't think I've taught it correctly. This is like a bread and butter passage for me. And yet, I go back and I go, I don't think I've been teaching it right. And that has just rattled my cage this week. And... uh I've kind of come down as the week's gone on to, just being very transparent with you here, come to uh, agree with MacArthur. Now, why do I throw someone's name out there so you don't think I'm a heretic? Um, (laughs) But uh, we're going to talk about this in kind of a new way for me. So this is a bit odd for me today, but I'm really looking forward to sharing with you some of the things that has challenged me. And uh, I'm just laying that on the table because I want for you to know, you study this text along with me, okay? And you study this text at home. And I'm growing and learning. And you know what? I'm trying to come and present to you the scriptures as I understand it and dig into it and study through it. And even if that means I have to come out on a place after a week and go, you know what? I think I'm looking at this differently than I did before. That's okay. I just want for you to know about it. And uh, we're, we're going to try and learn and grow and think this through. So for some of you this morning, it's going to be like, a wow, that's going to be interesting. Because for some of you, you know this text real well. And uh, I may be coming at it a little bit different than you've come at it before. So we're going to do it together. But let me start with a diagram, because diagrams always help me. Here's a diagram. Over in this diagram, we've got over here, in this area here, might follow the little finger. This area here is, uh, in essence, it's sin and separation from God. Before I came to Christ over here. Then there came a point in time for me. For me, this point in time here was when I was seven years old. And I came to a point where I didn't just know about Christ, but I came to a point in time in my life where I received Jesus Christ as my Savior. In other words, the things that I came to know about, I wanted to come to be about. And I prayed and received Christ as my Savior because I am a sinner separated from God. And at that point in time, I came to Christ and I was converted. That was my conversion. And at that point in time, from there on, we're growing and we're changing. And, you know, we're growing up and then we mess up and we repent and we continue on. And, you know, life is not just a straight line, but uh, it's an ongoing. And then at some point in time, whether at death or the return of Christ, I vote for number two. We're going to be with the Lord, going to be with the Lord. And it's going to be perfect holiness. Oh, bring it on uh, with all of that. Now, the question that comes out of our text today is is verses 17 through 19. I'm kind of talking in advance of getting at our text. So if you're lost here for a little bit, hang on. Just kind of hang with the concepts. Is the beginning part of this verse 17 through 19, is that having to do with the aspect of before I was a believer in Christ? Yes, I think it's very clear that we're going to see that's the case. The issue comes down is is Does the remaining, especially verses 22 to 24, where it talks about, for many of you know, put off, put on, and change your thinking, is that talking about after I come to know Christ as my Savior? Or, diagram number two, is it actually talking about what took place at my conversion? We're going to get there and take a look, but I just want for you to know this. I think this is the way I've always had this. In fact, I've always been taught this. And I'm not saying it's heresy or anything like that. I completely understand why. And there's some debating on what our text is talking about. But I've always been right here. But I just got to tell you, after this week, I've come and I think it's talking about right here. In other words, at the time when I came to Christ, in God's powerful work in me, he put off the old nature and he put on a new nature in me that include, included the whole renewing of my mind. And out of that, in other words, this text is to me has now become one of these texts where at conversion, whoa, God's done all that. Time to get on and do this. By the way, this little thing around here, this is all in the church. Okay, we're part of the church. Uh, capital C chapter three, as we had talked earlier. Okay, so we're going to dig into this text, but let me do note three things before we get into it. Why does Pastor Doug think this heresy? (laughs) Let me give you three things. Grab your Bibles and look in Ephesians chapter 4. Number one, kind of a small component of what's been working on my thinking here this week is this. This passage focuses on thinking throughout. In fact, take a look at verse 17. I have the English Standard Version. Some of you will have some different words used here. But in verse 17, it talks about in the futility of their minds. We're going to go to all these here. But if you're an underliner or a marker, you may want to mark all these because these are all thinking statements. Verse 17, the futility of their minds. Verse 18, understanding. That's a thinking word. Uh, It also has ignorance. That's what's going on in my thinking Heart, that really is what's going on in my thinking. Then in verse 20, learned, that's thinking. Verse 21, heard and taught and truth, all thinking oriented statements. Then in verse 22, desires, the desire comes out of my thinking. Verse 23, the mind, well, that comes out of my thinking. So Paul's impressing on us truth to be knowing, thinking. This is a reminding text about more about knowing and less about doing. So there's a thinking focus. Secondly, the tense of the verbs. And frankly, this is the kicker in my view here. Now, quick Greek lesson. There's various kind of verbs in Greek. There's there's a past uh, tense of a Greek verb. That's talking about what's happened in the past. There's present tense verbs. There's aorist verbs. And there's perfect verbs. We have two kinds of verbs that are taking place in the passage that we're talking about today. Number one is we have two present verbs. Okay, now two present verbs. Yet one of these verbs is what's called an, a present act or a present passive verb. In other words, the action that's being talked about presently taking place—it's not done by me; it's do, being done by someone else. A passive verb means that it's an action done upon me. And guess what? That's referring to the renewing of my mind. In other words, there is presently the action taking place of the renewing of my mind, but the verb is not talking about me doing it. The verb is talking about an action being done on me. Very interesting. Uh, Also, there are six aorist verbs. Six aorist verbs, uh, which is the overall thing of this uh, chapter or of, of this text. An aorist verb is talking about an event happened. It just happened. When did it happen? I don't know. It just happened. Okay? It's just something that happened. Now, some aorist can have an idea of an ongoing, but very, very small. An aorist usually is talking about some event that happened. In other words, it's something that's either happened right now and done and over with, or before then. Okay? So Karen and I got married. That happened. Karen and I had children. That happened. Karen and I still married. that ha- That's presently continuing ongoing. That's not an heiress. Okay? So why do I bring that in? Because it has impact and we'll hit them when we come here. I'm doing kind of some upfront lessons for you. Uh, third. Uh, reason for where i'm coming from is a definition of verses 20 and 21 in fact grab your bible and let's go to verses 20 and 21 because this is a statement in the middle that is telling us when does this stuff happen what is this stuff referring to okay and let's take a look at it because it could be put before our text and it could be in the middle and carry on but let's look at verse 20 but that is not the way you learned christ Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Okay, the question is, is in verse 20. But that is not how you learned Christ. What is that talking about? That's an aorist verb. It's talking about something that happened. By the way, side note, notice how cool this is. It doesn't say you learned about Christ. You learned Christ. The focus is on a relationship here. Not just when did you know come to learn about Christ, but when did you come to learn Christ? My answer to that is it my salvation, when I came and repented of my sin and received Jesus Christ as my Savior, that's when I learned Christ, okay? Assuming that you heard, that's an error, something in the past, and that you were taught in him as the truth is in Christ. So I start out with this from this standpoint, Here we are talking about, I think, an emphasis in this text talking about the point of conversion, the point when you came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have done that. All right, now let's go through the text. Now that I've kind of preempted, maybe confused, and uh, got you thinking and wondering, let's go. Here we go, chapter 4, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk. That is the one present active verb in our text. And by the way, the word, the verb walk is the predominant action for chapter 4 from here on out through chapter 5. Walk, peripeteo. Don't you just sound like you just kind of want to go walking around? You know, just want to get your parasol and just kind of, or whatever that's called, and just like walk around. That's what it's talking about. It's walking around, it's living in. So here it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer, in other words, don't walk like this, no longer walk as who? Okay, let's make this really relevant today. You must no longer walk as Americans. What's the word Gentiles? The word Gentiles is talking about an unbeliever, someone that does not know Christ. Someone that is separated from God because they have not come to the place in their life where they have received Christ as their Savior. They are separate. Do you remember back when we were doing Ephesians chapter 2, this was an area called what? The pit of despair. Okay, if you're newer with us, we were going through Ephesians chapter 2 and talking about how in that it talks about there is a, we are separated from God. And in fact, I think this is Paul again reminding us, in light of beginning of chapter 4, being people in the local church, don't forget what God has done for you on the kind of people you're supposed to be. And so here he's talking about, remember, don't walk like the Gentiles do. Don't walk around like the unbelievers do. And then Take a look at this. It's all thinking. It's all thinking things. Because he gives four characteristics of the old man, of what it's like walking around in the pit of doom. All right, here we are. Let's hit at them. First one, uh, do not walk like as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. In the futility of their minds. It's futile thinking. Walking around over here without Jesus Christ, it's futile. And, and, And what I mean by that is I'm living in futile thinking. What's futile thinking? Well, there's no substantial purpose. It's worthless. It's empty. It never succeeds. It's void of substance. It's meaningless living. Ouch. Living without Christ is meaningless living. He's just walking around. It's meaningless. I actually forgot to bring in and have done, but there's a song by Queen. Queen that talks about the futility of the meaningless life. And they sing in this song, and they talk about how we just put on the makeup in the faces, and it's just meaningless. Does anybody know what life is all about? Yeah. <laughs> but it's not about this. It's futile thinking. Uh, it's one that doesn't know or understand God or the world or even himself or herself. They have knowledge but no wisdom. It's meaningless thinking. Don't be like that. Verse 18, don't also be, they are darkened in their understanding. Uh, the darkened, they think they're enlightened, but they're dark spiritually. Uh, to the Gentiles, light meant understanding. But here's the thing, the light, was, it was a blackout. I mean, here they are over here, and it's like, we got this figured out. We're chucking along, we're peripateoing around, you know, in life, going on, and woo, this is really cool, life is so awesome. And it's like futile, just that it's so futile, that it's so dark. It's just darkened reality. It's not just that they can't see, but it's so dark, they can't even think straight about truth. Do you know someone who looks at you and just goes, you are so dark and dumb and ignorant because you follow Christ? I mean, to them it is. Why sometimes as believers do we like get confused or frustrated with people who don't know Christ and don't walk like Christ? Why do we get, I'm like, Come, folks, well, like, duh, they don't know Christ. Why would they walk any differently? Because, in fact, how we walk just seems foolish, darkened thinking. And then third, it keeps on going. Don't be futile in their minds. They are futile in their minds. They're darkened in their understanding. And they're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is due them. It's a lack of understanding. It's void of applicable knowledge. Notice their ignorant results and alienations from God. They're dead to God. And lastly, it says after that, uh, that is in them due to their hardness of heart. The word here is referring to a super hard rock. It's just not like sandstone. This is like rock. This is like really hard rock. And so you've got folks over here that without Christ were, are thinking futilely. They're thinking dark and spiritually. They're ignorant about truth, and they're hard-hearted about it. Paul's warning is here. He's saying... Don't live like them. Don't go there. Hey, believer in Jesus Christ, you're dead to that. As we've been reading in our small group book. But notice he goes in and he tells about this kind of life result of this kind of thing. Verse 19. They have become callous, hard-hearted. You know when you have a callous, you lose sensitivity. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice of every kind of impurity. It's so interesting because in Ephesus, Ephesus was like a predominant center of religious activity. And in the the temple, they worshiped the goddess Artemis. Artemis was a goddess of sexuality. And so at the temple they would come and there would be prostitutes there. That was part of the reality, of that was the spiritual reality of what was honoring to the goddess Artemis. And not only that, in the temple there was also a bank. And isn't it interesting? Here Paul says, in sensuality, which is usually pointing to sexual uh, impropriety, and greed, and that's what was taken there in Ephesus in the temple and he's addressing those kinds of things. You see callousness, you see sensuality, absence of moral restraint especially sexual, unbridled self-indulgence. They're greedy, unbounded coveting, uninhibited lust. It was just idolatry was going on. And Paul here says there's four characteristics of the old man, the old woman. Those are them. Thinking, bad thinking leads to wrong living. Right thinking leads to right living we're going to see now. So, four characteristics of the old man. Now, let's take a little shift the mundo here. Because verse 20 says, But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you heard of him and were taught him as the truth is in Jesus. Listen, in other words, when you came to Christ... God was working in you to allow you to think out of the reality of that. And the hard-hearted reality that everyone in in here had to Christ, God graciously, in his goodness, allowed us, why? I don't know, but he did. Allowed us to get out of, if you will, our hard-heartedness and to be able to be sensitive to spiritual things, all by the grace of God. And at that point in time, I chose Christ. Because he chose me, but no, I chose him, but no, he chose me, but I chose him. <sighs> yeah, it all happened, and praise God for it. But I came to Christ. Now take a look here as we continue, verse 22, or 21. Assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self. Uh, Four characteristics of the new man, of the new woman. First, in verse uh, 21, he's talking about Christ became my truth. In other words, I was over there, but because of Christ, I now am in the blessed opportunity of being able to have Christ as my Savior. I'm in glory. I've been cleansed. I am now in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ became my truth. Secondly, my old self was put off. Look at verse 22. To put off your old self. Now the important thing on put off, it's laying aside, it's stripping off, it's casting away. Here's the important thing. It's an aorist verb. So the question is, is, is this telling me that now that I'm over here, I need to be putting off? I think this is actually talking about what's happened at my conversion is that when I came to Christ in the process, Christ took off my old self. It's gone. Hey, friends, listen to me. You know the whole thing of the little image of there's a little angel or whatever that thing is over here, and then there's a little devil over here? That's not true. That's not the way it works. No, I understand Romans chapter 7, and Paul says, I want to do, I want to do what I want to, or I want to do right, but it's like I can't do right. <clears throat> I understand that. But listen, we don't have the old nature and a new nature altogether. together. The old nature has taken over the new nature. The old nature is dead. It's put away. It's gone. Well, then why do I sin? Because there still is a remnant of sin in us called the flesh. And I'm losing my voice here. <clears throat> so bear with me. So in the price, you say, but Doug, I don't get it. Now understand, there, there, there's a remnant. That, so sin is no longer raining on me like it did over there. But yet there's a remnant reality in me here. But there is no old nature. It has been put off. And it has been conquered and taken over by the new self. And for me, as I look at this text, this has so energized me this week. This is so giving me kind of like a a new reality of the understanding of the power that takes place in my salvation. Because we are growing and changing, and life is up and down, and we do, we still sin, but in the reality of it all, we're moving ahead, but we can move ahead because the old is gone and the new has come. The old self, it's the worn out, it's useless, it's a former life before Christ. It's the Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. And notice here how it talks as well. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. In other words, the the forming of the words here are talking about that the old self, it keeps getting more more and more and more and more and more deceitful and corrupt. And I say this as a believer in Christ, how can my, if I still have the old nature... How can my old nature be getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse if I'm in Christ? The answer is, I don't think it does. Because it's gone. Because it's off. It's been laid aside. It's been put away. It's an act that's happened. It's something completed. So Christ became my truth. And my old self was put off at the time of my conversion. Then number three, I received a new mind. Verse 23, look at this. I think this is really intriguing for me. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Now to be renewed is a present passive. It's something that's presently taking place. But it's a passive. It's something that it's an action being presently done on me. So who could do that? Well, we could either look and say it's something I'm presently doing on myself, but I'll say this, the, the, the verbiage would not be Paul, I, I can't see Paul writing that way. He had the form of words, the present active continuous, that would tell us that. And it would be saying that you and I, it's, it's an imperative thing to you and I, and it would be saying you and I are to be ones that are presently, actively, continually we're renewing our minds. Now, I agree with that, because Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We are to be renewing our mind. But I think here what this specific text is saying is the glory reality of the fact as a believer in Christ, not only has all that been, if you will, condemnation taken off of me because of Christ, laid aside, put off, but not only that, I am presently and continuously, my mind, my spirit is continually being renewed by my Savior. It is by grace you have been saved and continue to walk in Christ. Only by grace. We can't earn it, we can't work for it, nothing. And it's one more thing, I just go, praise God, I can continue to live for Christ because he took it off. And I can continue to live for Christ because he is presently, in continu- presently doing the act of working in me all the time. So I can keep going. I'm not left alone. You are not left alone. You have a Savior that is working on you. You have the Spirit of God who is working in you, believer in Christ. Pushing you and pressing you. And sometimes that's guilt. And sometimes that's conviction. But that's God, the Spirit of God working in us continuously. I received a new mind. Uh, The word renewed talks about to be done, done to me. It it conquers. It's my prior depravity reality uh, conquered over. And fourth, my new self was put on. Put on also as an heiress. This is, again, an action that's been completed. It's a putting on something that happened. It's not a present act of continuous. It's something that happened. I put on the new self, verse 24 talks about. New, and new is the word. I love this. The word new is about entirely new. It's not something renovated. You know, you take your computer and they do a rework on it, or you take your car and they do a rework on it. Not this. God ain't into the renovation business, He's into the reconstruction business. It's just a whole new you, fully recreated. He's put on the new self, entirely new. It's entirely new in species or character. (laughs) When you came to Christ, you became a new species. Isn't that cool? I like that. I get to name it. I don't know what species it is, but I'm going to name my own species. It's like naming a star but my new self was put on. Four characteristics of the new man, the new woman. Christ became my truth. My old self was put off by Christ. I received a new mind. I am receiving a new mind in Christ. And a new self was put on. I understand Paul not to be exhorting believers to be doing these things on an ongoing basis. The last three describe the saving truth in Jesus at conversion and are not imperatives directed to Christians. As an ongoing basis. They are done at the point of conversion. And they are mentioned here by Paul as a reminder. Of the reality of that experience. Paul is reminding us. What has taken place. In those that are a part of his church. And all of this points to the fact. That a changed nature. Demands changed Living. I want for you to understand this, I have always thought that, that this passage is talking about me being changed, me kind of after salvation, and I am not saying this is at the time of conversion now, and then forget about the rest. No, no, I think what's happening is I'm trying to grasp this, and, and you may come differently on this, but as you're trying to grasp this, I'm coming to the place to see, God did all this ultra-amazing work in me so that I can continue to grow and change. There is truth that the fact is is growing and changing is about putting off and about putting on and changing thinking. There's no question about that. But I think this specific paragraph, this specific text of Scripture is talking about what's happened at conversion. And it's the kind of thing that should just jazz you and I up because of the supernatural, amazing, glory work. You have been completely recreated. And I often forget that. Well, Paul doesn't leave us there. And I'm not going to leave us there. Let's hit the last part. Notice the life walk result of this change. I'm going to be whispering here in a minute. You You aren't used to that. I just want to say this. This section, 25 to 32, is filled with present active imperatives verbs. This is meant as an intense statement. I think what's taking place is Paul has just said, all this happened, and now get at it. You should be completely different. And it's like, he's like, I'm dead dog, triple dog, dare you that this has got to be the case. Listen, after all that Christ did in bringing me from there, boo... Over to here, yay, it better be different. And in fact, if there's no difference taking place in my thinking and in my living, then you have to come to the place where you ask yourself, do you really know Christ as your Savior? Because... We can come back, and I can always go back to the time when I'm seven years old, when I'm seven years old, stand in the one restroom door in the, the drinking fountain, and that's the point when I receive Christ. But I just want to tell you, if my life is not being lived out in the kind of way that follows the reality of now being over here, then I have to ask myself, and you would have to ask yourself, do I really know Christ as my Savior? And Paul gives us five examples to show us here. Here we go. Therefore, having put away falsehood, that also is an act that's already happened. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you, you believers, speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. In other words, don't lie. (laughs) That's right. We're to be someone who's telling the truth. Why? Because people of the truth speak the truth. That was perfect. <laughs> the old man speaks lies. The new man, the new woman speaks truth. Listen to me. Redeemed people don't cheat at school. Redeemed people don't tell lies or gossip about friends. They don't lie on their taxes. They don't use flattery. It's not partial truth. It's not exaggeration. Speak the truth. Be truth speakers. Verse 26, the second one. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Uh, an old, the old man, the old woman, is about uncontrolled anger. But the new man is about controlled anger. I don't get that one yet. In fact, I'm just going to lay this on the table. We don't have time to get into it. But I wonder if I have ever had righteous anger. I just different subject there have been times in essence where i've been angry about sin but even the way i think about it and even the way i approach it i so often i wonder if we even have the ability to have righteous anger but yet it says here you can so that's something i'm trying to wrestle through in my head as a believer in christ i would put it this way it's someone that solves problems new-minded new self people don't get defensive Angry people get defensive quickly. It's about protecting me. I'm angry at you. How dare you talk to me about that, even though it might be true. They're vindictive. It's a deep-seated anger. Screaming at the kids. Yelling at the spouse. Being angry all the time. Believer in Christ, I love you enough. If that's you, stop it. Stop it. That kind of life was over there. That kind of life doesn't fit here. And what mockery in the face of a God who has plucked you and I out of hell's hands. Ouch, that one hurt, didn't it? The third one. Verse 28: Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Oh, by the way, when is a thief no longer a thief? Not just when they stop stealing, but when they start working and giving. Uh, That's the put-off, put-on process. And here, I think what's saying, in light of what Christ has done, put off that. Listen, when you came to Christ, did you understand this? Because this is what coming to Christ is all about. I think that's what Paul is saying. When you came to Christ, did you understand, and I know we're all growing in the process, but did you understand that it's about no longer living like that and about this? So often in our evangelism, we talk about just getting to heaven. It's not just about getting to heaven. It's about bringing glory to Christ with our lives now. And that includes we don't steal anymore. Well, I don't steal Well, do I pad the expense accounts? Do I report hours? Do I grab a couple bucks out of mom or dad's purse or wallet? They'll never know, and they'll never miss it. Do I shoplift? Everybody's probably in here had to go back to the grocery store as a little kid, taking the gum, been there, done that. Don't ever want to do that again. Karen took me back a couple weeks ago, and I learned my lesson. (laughs) Do I falsify cost overruns or embezzle? Listen, work and give. That's a sign of someone who has really been converted, who understands what that is about. um, Fourth, let's keep on moving forth. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. The regenerated person doesn't claim Jesus and also cuss his name as profane. If you've got a potty mouth, stop it. Just stop it. Please. For the name of Christ. Stop it. But it's also talking about abusive speech. Teens. Or do you talk badly about your parents? For everyone, don't engage in off-color jokes, dirty stories. It's not funny. It's just not funny. To God. Instead, speak words of grace and help. That's someone who has come to realize what Christ has done. And lastly... There's a whole list. Verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, kind of the all-consuming catch-all here, uh, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Just put it away. Along with all malice, which pretty much covers everything. Be kind to one another. Instead, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ has forgiven you. I'm dead to that. Be dead to it. Yeah, but Doug, I've been struggling with this for a long, long time. I know. Understand. We're growing and changing. The flesh remains. The habits of sin remain. But listen to me. You cannot use this this excuse. I'm an old dog and you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's a bad, 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 like bad theology. You can change. And the reality is this. You have been given everything you need, everything you need for life and godliness when you came to Christ. You and I have no excuse, crud. I wish I did. I really wish I did, because I'm not there yet. But... Because of what God has done. He has put off the old and he has put on the new and he's renewing us. Listen, you and I have no excuse. None, 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 none other than this. I don't want it bad enough. I'm just telling you, that's the bottom line. Why can't I change? Because you don't want it bad enough. You don't want to change enough. And God may push you to a place where it gets so bad. that then you become willing to say, I can't handle this anymore. I've got to change. And I just want to say, there's victory in that. Yet for some of you, I know, it's just like, but uh, you don't understand. But this is what I say, it's about thinking. And you need to sink yourself into the truth of what has taken place. At conversion, the new has been put on. The old is gone. There is victory in Christ. I need the team. And if you need help, get help. We want to be a place that helps people grow and change. I don't want to stand here and go, you know what, if you're a sinner, we're all sinners. Everyone in this room has issues. You're screwed up, I'm screwed up. But we have a big Savior who has done a mighty work and my struggle is getting it. And Living it out and we need each other to help each other because I can't do it alone And you can't do it alone And that's why I think paul has put this right in the context of having talked about the local church Love you Love you And let's grow together Let's pray god. Thank you so much For the mighty work you've done in our lives Oh, Lord, the truth of the matter is, is, I really don't get it. I struggle to understand all that you've done. And God, I would just pray, would you help us? Would you just help us? Help us to get it. Because we usually want to take these things and just kind of like, you know, just what's the one, two, three out of it? But God, this is the kind of thing, if we don't have the deep seated truth thinking, in our heads, we're not going to understand why it needs to be lived out. So, Lord, I would pray this morning that this truth would be truth that this week we all meditate on and ask you to help us to understand what you've done. I'm just assuming there are some in here this morning that are just hurting And feel defeated and crushed. And hopeless. Lord this tells us. There's hope. This tells us. You're there. This tells us. That we're not just supposed to do something. But we're about being someone. And as we understand. How we have been created. Oh God may we then live it out. Help us to. To be dead to that. Help us to be alive to you. The old is gone, the new has come. You have created in us a new creature. Uh, Lord, and if there's anyone here this morning that does not come to, has not come to a place where they know you as their Savior, God, I would pray, would they do that today? Would they ask someone, how do I know that I know that I know? Because it's at that point in time when all this happens, and not before. Lord, to you be the glory. And thank you for helping me to learn and grow and and just try and figure things out. Lord, if what I've talked about today uh, actually isn't what Paul's talking about, would you help me to understand that as well? We're growing and changing. Thank you for the Word. Thank you for people. Oh, God, we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.